Sorry, everyone. everyone. I'm stretching because <laughs> I'm getting out of Sleepy Hollow. More like Boring Hollow. Am I right, Matt Garingo, my co-host? Listen, you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Waffle Press Retrospective. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. That's Matt Garingo. It's spooky season, and it's also sleepy season, because we're talking about Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow. You gotta this... make a bunch of sleepy jokes? Yeah. There's not, your gag there's not now? a lot of sleeping in this movie. Is this, is, this, is this your gag? Yeah. Listen, you. Matt, this was a recommendation by you for this Halloween? Yes. Because it's a spooky film. It's Tim Burton. It's before he fell off the wagon. It's uh, it's arguably and, and the last one before he fell off the wagon. Um, arguably, some, peop- some people defend Big Fish. Big Fish is fantastic. Uh, Big Fish, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> others uh, defend Sweeney Todd. Um, oh, I like Sweeney Todd, but I won't go to, to the mat for it. Yeah, yeah, it's a good movie if you're a lunatic. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, uh, uh, then he does Alice in Wonderland and, like, never recovers. So, I don't think, even Big Eyes, I don't think, has any defenders, really. It did when it first came out. People were like, no, 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 he can still do it. And then I saw it, and I was like, no, he, he, he clearly can't. I'm sorry, but no, he can't. <laughs> and, you know, that's whatever. Like, I don't agree with Tarantino's, like, qualm with, like, you know, directors at a certain age, they don't get better as they get older. I, I think... That dude stopped watching movies at a certain age. Because mm-hmm. um, some directors do get more interesting. Like, Scorsese is still fucking knocking out, like, five-star movies. Like, constantly. <laughs> or at the very least, like, four out of five-star movies, yeah. you know? I bet you, he, I bet you though, he doesn't like late-era Scorsese. Yeah, but uh, Tarantino, I, I like all of his films. He, he He's a coward. <laughs> Tarantino's so weird, because, like, sometimes he, like, goes to the mat for a movie where I'm like, yeah, that movie kind of does deserve more defense than it gets. And other times he's like, yeah, but The Fighter is, like, a modern classic. And I'm like, no. Or everyone's favorite film from 2011, Green Lantern. Oh, yeah, he did like Green Lantern. Or was it 2010? I don't know. No one remembers Green Lantern. I, I, no one cares. Yeah. It doesn't, it truly doesn't matter when Green Lantern came out. Yeah, but Tarantino liked it, and everyone was like, what? And he looking on has 10 that. years later, once again, I ask, what? But then he was also on the uh, Planet of the Apes reboot train before, like, everyone else. Like, he was like, Rise of the Planet of the Apes is actually really good. That's true. Yeah, you know, hit and miss. I don't yeah, know why yeah, I'm no, dragging he... Tarantino. He has nothing to do with Sleepy Hollow. But he also thinks Joker's brilliant, which is just, like, at a complete. I'm at a complete loss for that one. That that one makes sense. It's a bad film, but that makes sense for someone like him. I don't. I don't see it. Like if like if he if he's as big a fan as Taxi Driver as he claims to be, like, wouldn't you want to just murder Todd Phillips? Uh, no, because I don't endorse murder on my podcasts. Uh no, I'm not saying no, we no, would. no. I, I know what you're saying. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't particularly understand either. But the point being. Tim Burton's lost it, unfortunately. He's still, I think, 
he became Tim Burton for a reason. He became like one of the most well-known, well-respected filmmakers mm. because he was like almost untouchable at a point. And all of his films, even like the really bad ones, tend to be visually interesting at least. I would say Sleepy Hollow might be his best-looking film. It is, yeah. Uh, thanks by, like, to cinematography model. by Emmanuel Lubezki, who is like a, a god among mortals. <laughs> like he's one of like the top ten cinematographers working today, like easily. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't make a lot of movies. But this is also just anymore. a good throwback to an era where you could build an entire town for your fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, we should do that again. Yeah, it would be great. Um, I think studios underestimate how much people want to see something like that. I would say studios underestimate how much people want to see something like this. Hey. I think this movie, if it came out on Netflix today, uh, I think would be a huge hit. <laughs> I think people would not shut up about it. Maybe, yeah. And for good reason, because I think this is a really fun movie. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a super fun movie. Um, I think it's a blast. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, and it's, it's a little it's, frustrating for me, but we'll get into it. Yeah, there's there's one part in it that's like really bad. <laughs> I will I'll go there. I'll just say that, but I can look past enough because this isn't like shooting to be high art, really. Mm-hmm. It's trying to be like the best version of a like hammer horror style slasher film, <laughs> yeah, ever made. And it, I think it succeeds on those terms. <laughs> Um, whether it rises above that is the whole other thing. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't understand why it's not really talked about more. Because um, there's so much good stuff in it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't understand either. Maybe it's like, because we've all rightfully turned on Johnny Depp. Again, someone else <laughs> who is like, yeah, very... Uh, highly acclaimed and well-received for good reason for a lot of their career. And also, rejected rightfully now. <laughs> yeah. But, like, you know, he's, like, he was, like, at one time a really fun leading man. Yeah, um, he's good in this. He's really good in it. Yeah, what 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 is that? Um, Also, half the cast of every film from Great Britain <laughs> is in this film, <laughs> which is also the cast of every Harry Potter film. Yeah, basically, it's 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 a stacked cast of like thespians and Casper getting, Van Dien. Yeah, and Casper Van Dien, and they're all just getting mowed down by a headless horseman. <laughs> like they give these very stately performances, and then they get their heads cut off. <laughs> yeah, and that was kind of like uh, part of my problem in revisiting it because it is like a super entertaining movie. Go check it out if you haven't seen it. I hadn't seen it in a very long time. Um, And I think the problem with the film is the problem I have with even, like, the best of Tim Burton. Even Batman Returns kind of has this problem. That the movie doesn't really settle for too long. He constructs these great production design looks, this wonderful atmosphere. And I just want to kind of live in it a little longer. Mm -hmm. And the way Sleepy Hollow is paced, it just doesn't let you. Which is kind of fun, but like, cause it's like a ride, you know. It feels like you're on like a, like a, a movie version of like a haunted hayride or something, you know. Yeah. Which is great. Uh, some people in L.A. got to double feature Sleepy Hollow with Bram Stoker's Dracula, which is like maybe the single greatest double feature idea I've ever heard in my entire life. 
That's um, a pretty good one. Yeah. Uh, but I, I wish this w- this movie was a little bit longer. Um, I don't know if I would talk about the length, but I have to disagree a little bit. Okay. I think this is one of his more realized worlds that he's ever done. Um, like maybe Ed Wood comes the closest. <laughs> well, that might be his but, best movie period. Yeah, but like Ed Wood like has the benefit of actually being set in a real location basically. And this is one where he just he sets up like this whole little like Sleepy Hollow is almost it a character in and of itself with how well it's established with like all the different families that are related and all the different stuff going on. And I don't know, it it really works for me and maybe maybe it's a little too quick i don't know if i can just i just don't feel that just because i've seen it so many times and it just it just works for me Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and i don't know where you would indulge more um maybe with christina ricci just because you can always do a little more with your female characters yeah uh Um, she has this wonderful quote that I, i i put aside where she, Christina Ricci, about her character, Katrina Van Tassel, said uh, she's kind of a princessy character, very one-sided, no emotional depth. Yeah. Which isn't fantastic, would, but also kind of true. Yeah, I would have to agree. Yeah. Um, but I would also act like, it's not like Ichabod Crane is like a super complicated character in this. No, yeah. I, I th- and I think that's kind of like, not even an issue, it's just something I wanted more of for this film. You know, okay. I, I guess that's the thing. I, I don't really take, like, too serious an issue with anything in this movie. Because it's very good at what it does. I I just want to kind of, like, live in it more. But I think that's just, like, a personal taste thing with movies, you know? Okay. Like, I love watching Blade Runner because I can just kind of, like, sit in that movie for its mm-hmm. runtime. It's a very slow-paced film, and I like that about it. And I guess Sleepy Hollow just because... This is, like, really good-looking schlock. <laughs> I mean, no, maybe not schlock, but it, no, it's... No, it's schlock. It's schlock. It, uh, a head gets cut off a guy, and it rolls down in between Johnny Depp's legs. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. And that stuff is fucking so fun. <laughs> yes. Oh, also, there's a there's a tree that bleeds, which is fantastic. There's a tree that bleeds. There's a witch whose eyes pop out. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. That, that image... That was way less frightening than I remembered it being. <laughs> oh, yeah, that fucking scared the <laughs> yeah. shit out of me as a child. But uh, I will say there was... Uh, that is a weird scene. I think that scene, without jumping too far ahead, like, the eyes and, like, tongue pop out like a cartoon. <laughs> but then she, like, tackles them, and it's the, like, sunken, like, Michael Myers face. Mm-hmm. And that that image is genuinely scary. Like, it goes from being cartoony to, like, an actually frightening image, like, within a heartbeat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is so strange and just not a way you make movies, usually. (laughs) What's your history with the Headless Horseman? Okay. Uh, The American Monster. I'm just throwing that down. Okay. The first true American monster. I... Well, I'll, I'll get into my history with Sleepy Hollow, just as, as a movie, as a, as an original story. So in middle school, we, we had to read the story of Sleepy Hollow mm-hmm. and do a book report on it. I procrastinate in my life. 
<laughs> and even in middle school, I, I got the novelization of Sleepy Hollow uh, with with the one of those covers that's like now a major motion picture, right? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So it was a little older than than this film, obviously. They sold it as a book. It's like a short story, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. Like... Uh, some more on that. <laughs> Not having known the original length or material of the story, I did my book report. On the film novelization. Oh. And so I, I, did, I did not get a good grade on that assignment. I can imagine. Yeah. Because uh, I was like, when everyone was like reading their stuff out loud, I was like, no one's talking about the part where the headless oh, horseman is getting shot outside of the church. You had to read it in front of the class? Yeah. That's bad. Oh, that yeah. Good. That wasn't yeah. great. Not not good. Uh-huh. And so I ended up watching the film like a year after that, and I thought it was horrifying. <laughs> Looking back on it now, I was scared of everything at the time. Yes. And that makes it even a little funnier catching up with it finally, uh, now that I'm significantly older. And uh, it's still very gross, but like in a real fun way. Like this is like Poltergeist scary, where it's not really scary. It's just kind of awesome. Mm-hmm. Although Poltergeist has like some moments that still might be a little frightening if you got kids. This one is is a goof, but it's a very fun goof. But how about yes. you? What's your history with the Headless Horseman and Sleepy Hollow? Um, I believe I was always like kind of in that way you're aware of a lot of things as a child. I think I was always aware of the Headless Horseman mainly because of the Disney short. I think I had one of those like Disney Halloween tapes as a child. And it was like Halloween classics from Disney where it had like a song about the Haunted Mansion. And then it played, uh, it probably played the Headless Horseman song from that, which is a banger, by the way. Okay, see, <laughs> played, I'm not familiar with any of that. <laughs> play some of that in this. Um, and, uh, and then the actual chase in the original Disney uh, Sleepy Hollow cartoon is genuinely like pretty frightening for a kid's cartoon. <laughs> Of just an evil, laughing, headless horseman chasing a guy. (laughs) And that's basically it. And then, at some point, I was visiting my grandparents as a child, and they were watching this movie for some reason, Sleepy Hollow. And I came in right at the scene where uh, uh, Vern Dursley (laughs) uh, gets his head cut off. (laughs) And it scared the shit out of me. (laughs) And I was terrified. (laughs) And I never wanted to watch it. But then I became, like... It was that thing where, like, when you, when something really scares you, it, like, sticks in your head. And I became obsessed with the Headless Horseman after that. And I read the short story. And then for Halloween that year, I think I was the Headless Horseman. And my grandmother made, like, a Headless Horseman costume for me. Which is, like... It, it, it didn't look great. But <laughs> it was basically, like, this box... Like, my shoulders are suddenly, like, a foot away from my arms. <laughs> and then, oh, I'm the Headless Horseman. <laughs> And I couldn't see in that goddamn thing, believe it or not. Um, but hey, you do what you can. I'm sure that costume is packed away somewhere um, in some closet. Uh, but yeah, and then uh, and then oddly enough, this movie became big among uh, friends of mine. Uh, one, a friend of mine named Mark Hayes, who I still know, um, it, it was like big in his house. So like he showed this movie. To everyone at some point. And then we we all kind of became obsessed with it. 
and I had seen it a lot over and over again as a kid. And then I went through a phase, which I did with a lot of stuff from my childhood, where I didn't like it. But then I kind of came back around to him, like, no, this movie kind of rules. <laughs> and I still feel that way to this day. I think it's I, I stand by my claims. It's super fun. It's very atmospheric. I wish I got to sit in it a little more. And I actually think the writing's actually really solid. Mm-hmm. Like how it introduces the mystery elements and how like Ichabod's like a man of science and he has to go up against the unexplainable. Mm-hmm. And like many of Tim Burton's films, that thread isn't like for isn't dropped, but it is a little bit forgotten as the film goes on. Or it becomes less important, I guess I'll say. Like like the conflict becomes more about like the chase and the excitement than being character based, which is fine, but it does feel like there's a slight missed opportunity. And again, I, it's just because I don't feel the film goes far enough. Not that I it guess. doesn't have it. I do love the the setup that Ichabod because you know you know the thing about. Do you, did you, I'm assuming you eventually read the Sleepy Hollow story. Nope. <laughs> oh no. All right. Um, so the thing about that original story, which is very different from this film, as you can maybe imagine, <laughs> you maybe realize much later, uh, it's, it's, it's true. It's a true legend. It's a story being uh, told about, uh, a guy named Ichabod Crane, who is this weirdo schoolmaster from Connecticut, moves to the town of Sleepy Hollow, and he starts trying to win over, uh, the, the rich daughter of some land baron there, much to the anger of Brom Bones who is this like big tough guy like alpha male type so Brom Bones tells this story to Ichabod Crane about how oh there's a headless horseman he haunts the woods and you have to on this night I think it was Halloween night in the story and he's like oh on this very night he haunts the woods and you gotta make it across the old bridge in order to get away from him and of course Ichabod Crane on his way home he runs into the headless horseman gets chased the next day there's there's no sign of Ichabod Crane. Uh, oh, and the last thing Ichabod saw was the Headless Horseman throwing his own head at him. And the next day, there's no sign of Ichabod. People find hoof prints at the bridge and a shattered pumpkin. And the story kind of implies that there was no Headless Horseman. It was all Brom Bones. Mm. And Brom Bones just scared him and scared him out of town. That's the implication of the short story. That's the implication of the Disney film as well. Uh, so it, there's a weird sort of makes sense where it's like, okay, Ichabod's going to be this forensic scientist and he's going to come and expose the Headless Horseman as just a regular person and there's no nothing nothing mystical or superstitious going on at all. And then halfway through, it's like, nope, the Headless Horseman's real. <laughs> <laughs> Which I kind of just love that shift. Like, it doesn't really make sense, but I, I love it. That it was, it's it's a weird, like, okay, it's going to be about old forensic science. Then it's like, nope, it's not about any of that shit. Yeah, and, and maybe that's why I feel like the character stuff kind of trails off towards the end a little bit there. But I like that they do, now that, now that I have that context, I like that they do basically do that original story in the first, like, 20 minutes of the film. Yeah, yeah, they, they they sneak it in with a Casper Van Dien. Yeah, who throws a flaming pumpkin at Johnny yeah. Depp. Yeah, they worked in the original story because I guess that's what you got to do in all these fucking things. Yeah, but but that, that was fun. That, that makes yeah, it fun. more fun in hindsight. Yeah, 
Um, Brum Bones basically doesn't get much too, but that just might be because it's Casper Van Dien. I don't know. I kind of like him in this, where he's just kind of like a he's like a Gaston type. Yeah, well, that's that's a hundred percent the Brom Bones energy. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's totally. So I guess it, 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 he's giving the right performance. Yeah, but he's really only in like three scenes. Mm-hmm. It's like the introduction when Ichabod shows up at the town, and then who are you, when... a stranger? Like gets all aggro with him immediately. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, all right, like w- like once. The, the film, like, reveals itself. Like, that's the vibe they're going for. I was like, all right, I, I can get on board with this for sure. Um, it's that scene, and then when he chases Ichabod, and then when he shows up to defend the town from the horsemen, I feel like there's a chunk missing there. <laughs> I feel like I, I could have used a little bit more of him in the first half, but I like that the film's just, like, chopping everyone down. Like, yeah, the only, like, survivors are the main three characters. <laughs> Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. Sleepy Hollow fell apart immediately after the end of the film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there. No one lives there anymore. They all no left. One li- it's an abandoned town now. Mm-hmm. And I believe you can go to the real Sleepy Hollow today, and you can find like the remains of the covered bridge. Oh, I think that's still there, like the foundation of it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I've never been. I should go one of these days. But um, you got to go in with like real foggy. Oh, absolutely. You got to go around Halloween time. Perfect. Go head out right after this podcast. Oh, yes. In the middle of the night on horseback. Yeah. <laughs> it only take me six months to get there. <laughs> uh, speaking of, like, too few scenes, uh, Christopher Lee shows up in the beginning of this, and all his scenes are over by the time the credits roll. <laughs> yeah, that's a bummer. Where it says, also starring Christopher Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel like is Tim Burton just doing the direct reference to, like, this is a Hammer horror film. Mm-hmm. Well, he clearly, like, it. likes that type of stuff, you know? I mean, his oh, whole yeah. thing is, like, German Expressionism. Yeah, German Well, I mean, like, but Hammer wasn't super German Expressionist. No, no, but it's got, like, that that, that foggy atmosphere yeah. inside. Well, he's definitely, like, combining a few things where it's, like, he's doing the German Expressionism and then, like, Universal Monster. And then he's doing the Hammer thing, which is, like, the really bright red blood... And also, like, tons and tons of, of sex. like Yeah, yeah. Which was the hammer thing. It's mm-hmm. like, it's just, it's horny as hell. <laughs> like, I believe um, the the Mario Bava film, Black Sunday, was like a direct uh, inspiration. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. There's yeah. definitely a lot of that. In Which is too. a banger, by the way. Yeah, yeah, everyone go check that shit out. Yeah. And it's not Dario Argento, like I had to correct myself in the... <laughs> The other podcast we brought up, Bava. It is actually oh, yeah, Mario Bava. Yeah. I forgot that happened. Yeah. Um, also, Mario Bava stuff is just fun to watch around Halloween. So Yeah. He did Planet of the Vampires, right? Yeah. Yeah, check that shit out. One of the direct inspirations for Alien. And apparently Aquaman too. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so fucking awesome. I can't wait. <laughs> oh, but yeah, this movie, the production design is incredible. It is yes. so fun and like... Well, even it, our two scenes in New York City, like, feel fully realized. Yeah, and remember, like, our Batman Returns conversation where, like, Tim Burton's, like, whole thing, all of his movies feel like they're filmed on sets. And here, <laughs> that's true, too, but I actually feel like there's a world happening outside of them. Yeah. Whereas, like, in Batman Returns, the, like, what makes that movie work is that it doesn't feel like Gotham 
is like bigger than the characters that we're following. Yeah, Gotham feels like one street because yeah, is. yeah. <laughs> and then here it's like no, no, no. Sleepy Hollow feels isolated, and we can't like get to the world outside anymore. Yes, <laughs> which is great. And Sleepy Hollow is literally a one road town. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. <laughs> and I do like I do like that like even the slow carriage ride out to to like you know Dutch New York like. That's it, it's got like a it's such an appropriate mood for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This movie just kind of rules. Like I'm, I'm, I just keep saying that, but it, like no one would make this movie today without someone like looking at the screen, being like, "Isn't this ridiculous? A headless horseman!" <laughs> like <laughs> that's the only way it gets made. Yeah, and I, I guess we're just gonna like talk about the movie in depth. I, I don't, I don't think well, we'll I, break I like down his... everything individually. I can talk about the beginnings a little bit, just because I really like the... He comes into town. He's, he's already got a problem with Ron Bones. <laughs> uh, we, we meet the love interest immediately, and she, she kisses him immediately because like, she's playing that game. Like, that gets up. And then we immediately are introduced to, like, basically all the suspects in that in the great little scene. Also, you can kind of tell that they had... They probably had the shoot around... Uh, Michael Go because like, he's kind of off in the corner. Because <laughs> mm. um, I, I believe he was like in his nineties by then. Um, but also great. It's just great to see like all these people on screen. Yeah. Also, you open up the film with Martin Landau. Oh yeah, yeah. Landau doing a cameo mm-hmm. um, as like you know a favor for winning an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he won an Oscar in the same decade, and then this film opens up with him getting decapitated. Zero lines gets his head cut off. Yeah. After running into a uh, Tim Burton scarecrow. <laughs> That's kind of the dream. Just show up <laughs> in a movie, get decapitated, take your paycheck, and go home. And, and we're not saying, like, it's not like an, like, it's a very, like, artfully done murder, but, like, you see the head come off. Yeah. Like, you see the head come off, and then, like, the splash of blood. You see Academy Award winner Mart Lando get his head cut off. I feel like, like, not to be all, they don't do movies like this anymore, but, like, they really don't. And also, like, decapitations, not to get all weird about it, but, like, there's, like, an art to making them, like, really fun or really scary. And this movie makes them really fun. And I just feel like I don't remember the last time I saw violence like this, except for maybe Malignant, which I, I know is is not your favorite at the moment i just have to see it again yeah like that's that's what i'm resigned to because everyone fucking loved that yeah because for I, the malignant I fucking, gang it was aggressively uninteresting when i watched it but okay. i feel like i was just in a bad mood because like like i said like everyone loves it but for us free thinkers over here malignant shreds did you know that the original intention to shoot sleepy hollow was to do it on location with a 30 million dollar budget Hey, now, that sounds like a terrible idea. Yeah, that's why the budget is actually $70 million, and they left the New York area to go to the UK. Was it going to be, like, was the original version of this, it feels like they might have been trying to do, like, a modern-day Sleepy Hollow. I don't know anything about that, but it sounds like the intention was to do it, like, to keep it a period piece. Okay. maybe... The original plan was to do it um, without the supernatural elements. Maybe the plan was to keep it, like, grounded in reality. Like, I'm pretty sure the murder aspect was always going to be there. Mm-hmm. 
but maybe they were going to try to do, again, this is all speculation. We're just talking out of our asses here. But maybe they wanted to do, like, a thing where Ichabod Crane was going to have to solve, like, uh, the, the series of murders. And it would have been like, oh, you think it's Casper Van Dien? Oh, now he's dead. Oh, you think it's one of the Eldermen? Oh, no, they're dead. And then it would have been the, the reveal of it. Um, again, spoilers, but, like, uh, the, the stepmother. Okay. That she was going to be the Headless Horseman? Yeah. Like, like she's yeah, that's controlling him in idea. this film. Because, you know, you can't trust women, of course. Mm. That's what this film is saying, obviously. Yes, that's exactly what it's saying. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> um, that that's a worse idea, frankly. Like, I get where that's coming from. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm think... only assuming that because, like, $30 million, even back then, is, like, not a lot of money yeah. <laughs> to make a movie like this. Well, that's why I just assumed it was modern day, and, like, that would be the only reason to shoot it in Sleepy Hollow. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> there's no other reason. <laughs> um, but let's talk about, let's, let's talk about, uh, the, the, the suspects, the cast. Um, we got Michael Goh as notary, Hardenbrook, um, Ian McDermott. The fucking emperor himself. Yeah. As Dr. Lancaster. Um, we got, uh, who else do we have? <laughs> Richard Griffiths. Richard Griffiths. Yeah, Griffiths. As uh, the ma- uh, Magistrate Phillips. Uh, Jeffrey Jones as the Reverend Steenwick. And Michael Gambon as uh, Baltus Van Tassel, who's like the leader of the town. Yeah, Michael Gambon is great. Michael Gambon is so fucking good in this. <laughs> I like that he's like very he like is calm for most of them because he's supposed to be kind of the main suspect for most of it. Mm-hmm. Like if you're tr- if you're trying to guess ahead of the film, it's like well clearly the rich guy is responsible. And but then like towards the end when he starts becoming the target, like I like his slow unraveling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he just loses his mind by the end. Yeah, by the end. He shoots a guy. Yeah, he shoots a guy, and then he's like, well, he's like, there's devilry here, and I will seek it out! <laughs> and yeah. a bunch of terrified church people. Um, yeah, and I do like that, like, everyone's slowly getting picked off in it, including, uh, fucking Michael Go dies off screen. Uh, they just casually say he committed suicide. <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot that that's just, like, there then. That's just left mm-hmm. hanging. I mean, he is, like, one of the most guilty guys involved in the whole thing. Yeah. Because he was... But, like, everyone's involved. It's, it is one of those where, like, everyone's kind of caught up in a conspiracy. Because um, they're all seduced by women. <laughs> that is a, seems to be a recurring thing. Yep, yep. But also, this is a story back... Because, like, we get the backstory with Ichabod, uh, where his mother, played by Lisa Marie, uh, was, like, tortured to death and killed for practicing witchcraft. Uh which is a weird thing. <laughs> it's very strange how that's kind of like intercut into the narrative. And I mm-hmm. guess it's kind of trying to be about like faith versus science. I don't know how well it melds these two narratives together, but I will say the flashbacks look incredible. No, they look incredible and it's like a scary it's a well done like scary sequence. It's upsetting. <laughs> it's very upsetting. I think a lot about the image where uh, Ichabod's father, Peter Guinness, in the flashbacks, mm-hmm. he's walking through like that white church 
with the black robes on the red yeah. carpet, and it looks like amazing. Well, I think in this, you really get to see like how like it's so obvious like how Tim Burton came from an animation background because mm-hmm. so much of his scenes are just like meant to explode like visually. Like he's very good at visually told sequences. He struggles when trying to connect them together. Yeah, that's and the I, huge. I will say straight up failing of this film. That's the one I thing don't think I think it's is a, genuinely a problem. I don't think it's a failing here. I just think that I think here he's actually very benefited from the fact that he has to do a complex mystery story because he's almost forced to stick to a structure mm-hmm. that in a film like maybe Batman Returns he kind of is allowed to go off in like a million different directions. Yeah. And that can be a problem if you're trying to tell a story. And I mean, you can even see it in his later stuff. Like I was, I saw that uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory he did a little while back, and that's like a terrible film. Mm-hmm. But there are moments in it where you can really see, like his visual eye, and like one of the few guys in animation who was able to jump to live action and like retain some of those animation qualities. Mm-hmm. Um, like who else has done that well? Like maybe Brad Bird, you could argue. Yeah, his Mission Impossible fucking slaps. Yeah. It's the best one still, but... But even then, he's not, like, doing... A, like, like Tim Burton, it feels like, in a perfect world, he would have just done all these movies as cartoons. Mm-hmm. Like, if they would let him. But he doesn't, whereas, like, Mission Impossible is a Mission Impossible movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, you go for the action and the set pieces, not really the same stuff as, like, who's the Incredibles. Guy, who's the guy who did John Carter? Andrew Stanton. Yeah, Andrew Stanton. And, like, you can see, like, him kind of struggling against the uh, the need to be a live-action film. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't, wasn't fucking uh, Brad Bird supposed to do, like, an earthquake movie or something? Something. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what he's doing next. I'm rooting for him still, though. Yeah, um, he's out in the w- wilderness a little bit. Oh, s- someone else who, who we rightfully praised, uh, the Lego Batman director, Chris McKay. Oh, yes. He did The Tomorrow War. Oh. Remember that movie? Uh, yeah, I've seen previews for it, and I don't believe it's a real thing. Yeah, it looks like, like dog shit. But I, None I, of the Amazon original stuff uh, seems real whenever I see previews for it. Oh. <laughs> you know? I don't know. Like, I, I kind of like the alien designs in that one. I'm not talking about it like that. It's just like when you watch the preview. Like, does anything sound more generic than the Tomorrow War? No. Well, like, he- all here's, wars here's are a tomorrow fun diversion. Wars. Do you know the original, like, concept for that movie? I don't know anything about that movie. Okay. The, <laughs> the original concept was it was going to be, it was still going to be people drafting people from the future, right? Mm. But they were going to be drafting soldiers that had just recently been killed in combat. Oh, okay. So that way no one would, like, miss them and stuff, right? And then. The final version of the film is not that. It's just people from the future drafting anyone from the past to fight their war in the future. That sounds idiotic. It's it's so not they're drafting, Wait, they're drafting people from a future war? No, from the past into a future war. Oh, okay, so they're getting like World War II vets and shit. No, no. They're, well, I mean, that was the ori- that was the original idea. I think so, yeah. Okay, see, this, like, this, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's like a fun, oh. like, kind of genre premise and this one's just like not that i i didn't hate it like everyone else did but like um yeah i i nothing on god's screen earth can get me to watch that yeah you, uh, you, you wouldn't like it um hey did you ever hear of uh the movie millennium 
No, what is from that? like 1989? It's a weird movie. I only saw it once on television, and it uh, it it barely sticks in my brain. Um, it's a movie about like I think in the future there's like a population problem, like not in a like overpopulation. Like there's not enough people to keep the species going. Oh. So they develop this like time machine that gets people from airplanes that are about to crash where everyone dies and takes them into the future. And, like, that's the whole plot of that movie. <laughs> and I think it's like they find, like, a black box where, like, the the plane's about to crash, the pilot goes back there and he says something like, there's no one on board, and then the plane crashes and it starts a mystery. And I think at the end the universe blows up. Oh, okay. I think that's how that movie ends. Was that also and, shot by Emmanuel Lubezki? Uh, no, it was not. Oh, okay. That's too bad. Um, I don't know who made that movie. I have not seen it since I saw it on TV in, like, childhood, but it has stuck in my brain. I think there's a robot in it. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I think at the end, it's, like, Chris Christopherson and a robot, and at the end, like, time is blowing up, and they're like, well, you got to go through this gate before all of time explodes or else we'll die, and the robot's like, all right, you guys go, but I can't because I'm a robot, <laughs> and then the movie ends. Well, let's talk about Emmanuel Lubezki, because I don't even know where to begin with what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> but Emmanuel Lubezki, um, <laughs> after after Sleepy Hollow, he worked on films such as Things You Can Tell Just By Looking At Her. I've not seen that film. Uh, y Tu Mama Tambien, which is a fantastic movie by Alfonso Cuaron. Uh, Michael Mann's Ali. He helped really pioneer Michael Mann's new digital era look. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks a little, It's rough in that movie. but You better it not skip over the next one. Uh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm saving that bullet. Uh, but I'll just bring it up now. He also worked on The Cat in the Hat, the Mike Myers adaptation of I had the for- Dr. Seuss story. I had forgotten that, and you know what? Makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. <laughs> Having it, seen Sleepy Hollow. that The way that movie looks, I was going to say is not the problem, but it's not the main problem. Yeah. It's just very bizarre. He is innocent. You, I don't know what the fuck you do with that project. That that movie is interesting because uh, no one gave a shit. Yeah, but <laughs> you know what? It's one of those movies that's definitely benefited from, like, internet culture. Because we all agree whether or not the movie is intentionally funny. It is funny now. Yeah. Like, it's, it's existence is fucking hysterical. It's so evil, though. <laughs> oh, no, it is. Um, it is kind of like the Ron Howard... Today. The Ron Howard uh, Grinch movie, which is also aged similarly, but it's yeah, like but a... people genuinely think that's a good movie. Yeah, those people are wrong. Oh no, absolutely! Like, they they like, should all be in prison, all of you. I find that movie fascinating, but it's like an evil film. Yeah, I it's I don't like it. <laughs> but it's that weird thing also where it's like I guess if we want to talk about like the slowly shrinking standards of like American cinema. It's like, hey, at least it's more memorable than that one they did like three years ago with Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh my god, that's right. Yeah. Well, Tyler the Creator worked in the soundtrack. But yeah, yeah, you're you know right. What? It, it is All right, here's how people are. People even then were like, man, the Tyler, you know, that movie sucks, but Tyler the Creator did like an interesting cover of the You're a Meme Mr. Grinch. Oh, I no, no, no. I haven't even shit. listened to it. I just like Tyler the Creator. I listen to that shit. It's not like that amazing like it wasn't like 
Tyler the Creator fucking just cashed the paycheck that day, which yeah, fine. you know, and, and he, he's allowed not... to. He, he's he's one of my favorite working artists right now, so I just got mm-hmm. a soft spot for sure. But I, again, and I haven't even listened to his work on that movie. So thank God the studio responsible for Grinch is not making any more movies of any established properties that are very near and dear to the children of the world. I'm just gonna put the clip of Chris Pratt going, "It's a me, Mario." <laughs> Did he do that? Yeah, but then he was like, don't worry, that's not the voice. I was joking with my sister, like, what if, like, Chris Pratt has, like, a dead-on Mario voice? That would be so fucking funny. <laughs> like, the trailer comes out, and he's just like, oh, he can do a perfect Mario. <laughs> like, if you, I would still be like, yeah, but you could got the other guy cheaper. Yeah, I know. But... <laughs> like, what is, what's the deal with that? But, uh, yeah, isn't everything just awful? It's really bad right now. And, like, mm. I know some people are like, well, you know, they're just making movies differently. It's like, yeah, but they're making them bad. Mm. They're making them poorly. <laughs> like, a, a, not all of them. There's a lot of great cinema across the globe right now. Mm. It's really just Hollywood that's, like, sinking the ship at the moment. And I think once you understand that, it's easier to, like, accept the way things are and also try to plan for how to demolish the system from within. Yeah. Using the master's tools. Yeah. This is why Michael Mann, Frank Darabont, and Francis Ford Coppola should just be allowed into every studio right now. Yeah, those guys have never done anything wrong. Just have them burn down all the money, you know? Yeah. Like, well, Francis Ford is about to burn all like, his own Black money. Black Cat is, is the ultimate anti-capitalist film. Because yeah. <laughs> it cost Universal Pictures like $100 million. Yeah, yeah, hey. So it's, it's, it's basically like I am Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's exactly the same. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't the cat in the hat also qualify for that, though? Maybe. <laughs> that Didn't that make money? Well. Am I insane? Did that make money? I think it's one of those things where, like, it technically made more than its budget, but... Oh, like, yeah, no, a hundred... It, it... $134 million at the box office against a $109 million budget. Mm-hmm. Why did that movie cost that much? Because <laughs> Mike Myers, maybe. That that effect of doing two Mike Myers on the screen at once that costs eighty million dollars. I, I fucking guess so. Um, some other stuff because I just want to rattle off Lubeski's like incredible filmography. They got to talk about his next movie, the assassination of Richard Nixon. Yeah, Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events. Boo. The New World. Yeah. Children of Men. Yeah. Burn After Reading. Yeah. The Tree of Life. Yeah. To the Wonder. Yeah. Gravity. Ooh. Did you say boo? And I said ooh. Oh, okay. Because well, gravity is fucking fantastic. You're watching it. You're uh, watching it and like, people are falling all over the place and you go ooh. Okay. Birdman. <laughs> and then that kind of like ends his, his reign. <laughs> They did fucking Night of Cups. Night of Cups and Song to Song. Although Night of Cups came out in 2015, Song to Song came out in 2017. They were filmed like immediately after To the Wonder and Tree of Life. <laughs> but Terrence Malick, the director of those films, for those that don't know, um, is is a maniac and doesn't work with scripts really. And he just <laughs> he just makes up films as he goes along, which is his charm. But um, you know. It's Some could call it charm to uh, any system that makes movies. <laughs> that we'll drag Hollywood as much as we want on here. That that just sounds a little difficult to work with, is all. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> Anyways, Lubeski's the best, or at least one of the best. It's a bummer he's working with David or Russell next. Um, fuck that noise. Uh, fuck David. Untitled David or Russell project. All the homies hate David or Russell. Yeah, there's a guy who. Uh, I think the proper term is untalented hack. <laughs> untalented hack and. Also, I, I, I won't vocalize the claim, but you can just Google it. You see what yeah. monster he is. Yeah. I mean, we also knew he was an asshole before. <laughs> yeah, no, he was he was always an asshole, but he's also now like... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much we should say on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to be more but... careful about what I say, even if it's true. <laughs> Remember that fucking shitty series of unfortunate events movie? Remember how bad that shit was? I don't. I, I already saw it once, and I remember liking it, but I also saw it, like, when it hit DVD. It was like a version... It was like, what if we did an adaptation of A Series of Unfortunate Events, but took out everything that was fun? Oh, it's just, like, miserable, or what? <laughs> yeah, it's just the misery. I think they expected Jim Carrey to, like, add some comedy to it, and uh, instead he, he was like, no, I'm gonna play this one really method-like. Jim Carrey's great, though. Um, he's a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but Sleepy Hollow. Oh, he could have been the Ichabod Crane. What? Uh, Jim Carrey could have been Ichabod Crane here. He totally could have, but like it would have been like bad. <laughs> <laughs> you need to be Ichabod Crane in a different version of this story. All right. Because he'd be like doing weird improv. And by improv, I mean making noises. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's one cast member, though, we uh, completely glossed over. Um, and that is Christopher Walken. <laughs> oh, yeah. As the Headless Horseman. At least when he has a head. Yeah, what, uh, Ray Park plays the Headless Horseman when he has <laughs> no head. Um, yes. And does a fantastic job. Yeah, yeah. What a weird pairing <laughs> yes but well we got to talk about how walking in this movie <laughs> has no lines of dialogue he's got like shark teeth <laughs> and all he does is go ah <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's he's just a monster man yes he was what? a problem before he lost his head <laughs> yeah and so like when I'm, I'm glad the film doesn't try to do that thing where it's like ah the spirit has been put to rest like in a positive way like it's still horrifying yeah at the end <laughs> like he's he's just a, a bad guy going to hell yeah he starts the movie going ah and he ends the movie going ah <laughs> um i gotta be honest i don't understand why christopher walken is the headless horseman i am glad he is though <laughs> uh, yeah i don't know that i don't understand the choice either <laughs> yeah but it's... it it works <laughs> Yeah, especially because this Christopher Walken's coming off of, like, multiple Abel Ferrara collaborations. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah. Like, he did the funeral this decade. Have you seen the funeral? Yes. Yeah, that's a um. miserable experience of a film. <laughs> it's good, is, I guess. Or well-made. Is this, like, the like the last moment before he becomes, like, meme Walken? This might be the thing that launched him into the meme stratosphere, Like, this yeah. is, like, right before it. Yeah, like, this is, is the first before film. Cowbell. Um, I think it might be. Maybe, this, maybe it's around the same time. I don't remember what he was on SNL for. Yeah, more Cowbell, Cowbell is a comedy sketch that aired on Saturday Night Live on April eighth, two thousand. All right, so one year. Wow. Before. No, not even. This is like 
That's like six months. <laughs> and then wow. it's like, it's like he's in Joe Dirt for like no reason. <laughs> um, he pops up in Geely. Like this is when he starts doing like the Country Bears and Kangaroo Jack. Oh my god! And inexplicably, like Spielberg's like, I want you and catch me if you can. <laughs> To give like a really heart wrenching performance, like occasionally he'll do like a really good performance, but like for most of it he's just doing goofy shit for like the next decade. And like when was the last time we had like any serious walk in? Domino, technically, but even yeah, then, Domino. But even then, he's Domino. Like Domino is like an insane motion. Oh picture. shit! He's in Licorice Pizza. Oh, okay. walk in and waits reuniting after Seven Psychopaths. <laughs> Oh yeah, Seven Psych. I mean, that's kind of like a, the comedy ish, a dark yeah. comedy. So maybe he's not. good in it though. I like that movie. I do I know, too. Like, people like aren't huge fans of it, but I like that movie. There's oh, definitely yeah. like, if you watch it now, you can definitely see the flaws that will eventually lead to three billboards. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. There's a very poor grasp of like race relations in this country. It's just a, I mean, that's just a bad movie in general, but that's a big reason why. But yeah, Seven Psychopaths is great. Um, yeah. I've also been to one of the houses and in, in that film. Oh really? Just passing by. I don't I don't know anyone that lives there, but uh, yeah, I, oh, I got shit. I got I a friend that lives near one of the locations, so that's pretty. I cool. went I went into the Jungle Book having no idea he was King Louie, <laughs> and that was an amazing moment in the theater. Because <laughs> not only is he King Louie, he does the song. <laughs> Which was just fantastic. And then he's, like, really scary. That was a scary scene. Yeah. Like, that movie gets in- inexplicably, like, terrifying for a minute. Yeah, that that's a pretty good movie. Yeah. You would think that the director of that would continue making pretty good movies. Yeah, you would. <laughs> but oh well. And then he does Nine Lives with Barry Sonnenfeld. Oh. Oh. I'm just, I'm just looking at, like, his other movies. And oh, like, Barry Sonnenfeld. Oh, Barry. Um, What's up with that guy? Um, Wild Wild West happened. <laughs> <laughs> is Sleepy Hollow as good as the Wild Wild West? Um, significantly better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Barry Sonnenfeld is credited as additional cat voices in Nine Lives. Wow. Glad as still well doing as that being the director, thing. so yeah. Ah! Yeah, yeah. Just let's play, see, let's see play, what we got about Sleepy Hollow. Just play clips of Walk-In. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say, like, I really do like how the mystery plays out in the beginning. I like the first scene when, like, the one guy who was supposed to be like watching the town gets killed, and they go and like find the body, and he's like, "Did you move the body?" And he's like, "Yes, you never move the body." So why? <laughs> he's like, "Because you're not supposed to." <laughs> Um, something I really liked, even though I was kind of criticizing the characterization, and again, I don't think that's Burton's strong suit as a director at all, mm-hmm. uh, but something that I really, really liked in this viewing was that, because Ichabod Crane's a man of science and fact, and so once he, he he's get hit with the realization that fantasy is now fact, he's like, okay, he and he adjusts to his, he adjusts to it immediately. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, okay, well, if the Headless Horseman is haunting the town. Why is he haunting the town? If he's haunting these people, why is he why is he going after these people specifically? Mm-hmm. And he just wraps it up into more of the mystery stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's like a very like Sherlock Holmes type thing, you know? Yeah. Or like 
Spock <laughs> in Star Trek, where it's like if you take out like if you rule out everything else, yeah, yeah. the impossible must be possible type stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that was really fun. Um, I will say that I think my favorite scene in the movie might be like after because Vern Dursley gets his head cut off. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, I love his little. He's gonna get like a really like minor performance, but as like the one guy who's like. I tell you, it's not the fourth victim, it's the fifth. And anytime he's confessing, he takes his little wig off. Yeah. I love that little, like, thing they just do with him. Um, But, so he gets killed, and then Ichabod faints, and then the next day he wakes up, and it's a great scene with him and Michael Gambon where he was like, it was a headless horseman. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, no, you don't understand, it was a headless horseman. He's like, of course it was. That's why we invited you here. He's like, no, you're not listening to me. <laughs> it was a headless horseman. He's like, I know. He's like, no, you don't know. Cause I was the headless horseman. He's like, no, we told you. Everyone told you it was the headless horseman. <laughs> like, it's so, I don't know why that seems so fucking funny. No, it, it's fucking hysterical. And then there's like, <laughs> and it sucks to say about Johnny Depp now. Cause it's Johnny Depp. But like, I know he's really funny in this too, where he's mm. like, Oh, that's gross. I don't, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. But, like, he'll do his job, like, with the cadavers and stuff like that. And then later when he's chopping away at, like, the, the bloody tree stumps, mm-hmm. and he's, like, trying to avoid getting blood in his face, and then it just keeps happening throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's, like, a really funny recurring yeah, good, little gag. Yeah, just And it's really gross. Yeah. Why is that in this movie? <laughs> and also, like, we gotta talk about how sleazy this film really is. Like, first of all... Like I brought up recently, where like there's the twist where it's like actually there were five victims and there's five victims in four graves. So he does an autopsy, which like the whole town's like horrified by because they don't know what autopsies are. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, the headless horseman killed a pregnant woman. <laughs> and like not only that, he like stabbed into the womb to cut the fetus's head off, is what's implied. Because mm-hmm. that's where she has the stab wound on the chest. Like that's fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's in also, the of this movie. <laughs> another child gets decapitated, yes! <laughs> screaming to their death. We don't see the decapitation, thankfully. That would have been much, I think. But it happens, and you we see get... him stuff something into a bag. You don't even see, yeah. like, the head. It's the child's head, but also he sees his mother get her head cut off, and the head rolls on the floor until her eyes are poking down at him. <laughs> this is five minutes before Casper Van Dien is cut in half. Yes, in, like, a goofy fight scene. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but that rocks. But that scene, I will say, that's a very good scene because with the little, uh, what are those things called? Because uh, she sets up the little thing to spin around to, like, entertain her child before the fucking horseman busts in. Like, doesn't he bust in, like, dual-wielding axes, too? Yes. <laughs> like, he's, like, fucking He's like shit. a super villain. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Um, it's oh, yeah, and th- this is this is the other thing I, I wanted to praise because in Batman Returns, I think you and I both agreed, at least, in... You know what? In, in most Tim Burton movies, he's not a great action director. Yeah. I think he does a great job here with it. Mm-hmm. I think it's very fun. There's a rhythm and a pacing to it that is not present in his other action-type movies. And not that yeah. this is, like, an action-heavy movie, but, like, when the fights go down or the chases go down, like, it's, like, really well put together. And I would think- not say that for most of his other films. Do you think that was Ray Park and, like, maybe his team coming in? Maybe, because they they work with that more. I mean, he just did fucking Phantom Menace before this. And, like, say what you want about the Star Wars prequels. The fights are very well choreographed. You could say, like, maybe they're too choreographed or whatever. (laughs) And I would be like, fine, sure. Like, that's that's a valid Mm -hmm. criticism, I think. But you you can't say the fights are messy in those movies. I I don't think that – 
argument holds weight. Mm-hmm. So that's probably like what carried over. Also, because the Phantom Menace uh, was shooting in places that this movie wanted to film in in the UK, like with like Pinewood and stuff like that. Oh yeah, the studio locations. So you know, you got a little yeah, Phantom just... Menace DNA in here. A little bit, yeah. That makes sense. They should they should have a fucking Sith that has axes, <laughs> dual wielding axes. <laughs> Well, don't those pig guards at Jabba's palace have, like, those laser spears or whatever? No, they have axes, but I don't think they're laser Well, anything. there you go. Have a headless uh, pigman. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe you, you could be headless in the Star Wars universe. If you're, like, really tapped into the forest. <laughs> yeah, maybe. You don't need those other senses. There you go. That could be, like, the Mandalorian Halloween special. Mm-hmm. It's like the the headless spaceman. Oh uh, yeah, aren't they doing like a Halloween special right now for Star Wars? I I don't know because I it's haven't like a, been on Disney Plus in many many moons. It's like a Lego Di- Star Wars Halloween thing, and they referenced the thing in like a poster. So I'm interested. Well, in what now the I fuck have to watch is. it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I, I, I like that, the Lego Star Wars stuff always. So yeah, I'm really fun. looking forward to that collection of of all the Skywalker Lego games. Yeah. You know? Maybe we'll finally have a good version of Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, that'll probably be the best one. It is kind of nuts that there is a Lego Revenge of the Sith. I know, considering <laughs> what that movie goes for. Yeah. <laughs> Play through the fall of democracy as yeah. a Lego. <laughs> yeah, hey. <laughs> Just do some goofy shit, why not? Yeah, and then Anakin gets burned alive. Yeah, that's fun, right, kids? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's favorite family-friendly franchise. Um, I think uh, the only other actor that we haven't really talked about is uh, Miranda Richardson, who uh, plays uh, Mary Van Tassel, who's uh, she's the stepmother, right, of Christina Ricci. Yes. And married to Michael Gammon, and she, but she also plays uh, the vengeful witch in the woods. Uh, the evil one that like doesn't have eyes in that one shot. <laughs> yeah, just... yeah, which is a hint that they are the twin little girls that uh framed, well not framed, but like got the headless horseman caught back in the day. You want to know something super embarrassing? Mm-hmm. Obviously, when I was younger, I never caught that. This last rewatch, I didn't catch that until the last flashback. Hey, <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, it's the same actress. Oh well, I, I mean, I. It's hard to tell. I mean, like, I get it. Um, she's under a lot of makeup in the first witch scene, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, because I actually, I actually thought it was, uh, oh, God, what, what's her name? Um, Tim Burton's ex-wife. Uh, Helena Bonham Carter? I For some reason in my mind, I was like, she plays the witch in this, because I just assumed she's still in, like, every Tim Burton movie. Yeah, I mean, there was a running joke on the internet about who got Johnny Depp in the divorce. That's totally fine for you to think. Yeah. You know? And I think it's not until the next movie, because they do Planet of the Apes together, because that's the thing where Lisa Marie in this was Tim Burton's girlfriend at the time. And she pops up in, like, all his movies from around then in, like, silent roles. Except for Ed Wood, where she's Vampira. Like, that's the only one where she has lines. Mm-hmm. Um, she's that weird, like, bubble-haired alien disguise in uh, <laughs> Mars Attacks. Uh, and then 
on the next movie, she's Lisa Marie's still in Planet of the Apes, but that's where uh, Bert meets Helen, and uh, I guess he had an affair on the set of that film. And whoops, that's yep, and that's where that happened. <laughs> Interesting guy, that Tim Burton. Maybe it was her <laughs> leaving. Maybe she was the secret ingredient the whole time. I mean, maybe Lisa Marie. Maybe she was the secret genius. Yeah, he just took her ideas. Yeah, you never know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You never, you you really never know. <laughs> maybe that's why. He, maybe Big Eyes is like a confessional. Whoops. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. Okay. Shout out to Lisa Marie, I guess. Yeah, who I think like just stopped making movies at a certain point. Yeah, I mean, she uh, you can do whatever you want. I hope yeah, she's, do she's you want. doing good. She's fun in these movies, though. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, she she kind of just shows up to die in this one, but yeah. Um, very odd, like, mother-son things, Oedipus things going on in those flashbacks, though. Uh, yeah. There's, um, with period pieces like this, you know, like the the corsets, like the women wear, it tends yeah. to, like, draw a lot of focus to, like, the bosom and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know? And especially with a movie that's, like, like, this movie's not, like, I wouldn't well, say that's, it's again, horny, but I, I think th- it has, like, horny proclivities. <laughs> I, but I, that's a hundred percent a hammer thing. Like yeah, you yeah, watch yeah, those yeah, yeah, hammer totally. movies. I'm, I'm not. And... This isn't a negative. I'm just saying, like it's it's def. I'm agreeing with you. It's definitely. But at the same time, here. we get like the weird Miranda Richardson uh, Jeffrey Jones sex scene, mm-hmm. where she cuts her hand and is like rubbing blood on his back. Yeah. Okay. Was that like? Was she like calling the horseman with that, or was she just being weird? <laughs> I have no idea, to okay. be honest. <laughs> she just does I mean, there's, that. There's a whole thing later, because, you know, I guess no, everyone already knows, because hopefully they watch the film, but she's the puppet master of the whole thing. And she re- later reveals that she knew Johnny Depp was watching, correct? Mm-hmm. Like, so she's trying to set up things, so when she fakes her death at a certain point, um, she's trying to set up clues that will, like, draw attention away from her, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, with her cut hand, and then she, uh, that's also, there's, uh, the servant girl whose name I don't remember, um, she does have, like, two little moments that kind of set her up, but then she's just, like, killed off screen, um, to be the body for when Miranda Richardson fakes her death, um, which, you know what, hey, that's, like, a, that feels like a clever little thing to definitely include that, like, someone would forget, where it's, like, if they have those horsemen stealing their heads, you could totally, like, disguise someone's body. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, the mystery um, stuff in this is, like, really strong. Yeah, it's pretty solid for what it is. Um, it's like a Scooby-Doo level mystery, almost. <laughs> is this the, the darkest episode of Scooby-Doo I've ever seen? Yeah, Scooby-Doo should totally fight the Headless Horseman. Like, yeah, in that weird that era not where happened yet? I feel like they might have at some point, but it was probably some guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, there, But there was that weird era where Scooby-Doo was fighting real monsters. Mm-hmm. Like Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost, or uh, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Hell yeah. Like, you totally could have worked them in there. Um, everyone loves those movies, right? Yeah, Scooby-Doo and, and on Zombie Island, in particular, has, like, a real uh, special place in my heart. And I think in yeah. many people in our age range's hearts. Yeah. Well, that was hyped as, like, this time the monsters are real. You remember all those commercials? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but, I mean, uh, that but, movie also just, like, looks very good for a Scooby-Doo movie. Yes. Like, this got That's that great atmosphere. Weird, yeah, they, it's, like, a weird... I guess it was, like, Scooby-Doo was, like, big on Cartoon Network at the time. So, it was, like, we've got to bring him back somehow. <laughs> and they just started doing these direct-to-video things. Um, so, they did that for a while. And then uh, there was that weird series that no one really remembers. 
What's new, Scooby Doo? I remember. Do remember Blink One Eighty Two did the song for that. I think. Right? Oh God, you're right. Yeah, what's new, Scooby Doo? They're coming after you. Ugh. We're gonna solve that <laughs> mystery. I remember. I remember that shit. Also, such bullshit with the Zombie Island thing because there was literally a show called The Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo where he teamed up with uh, fucking um, what's his name? <laughs> um, oh God, uh, House on Haunted Hill. Uh, Fuck. I don't know this one. House on Haunted Hill. Um, he doesn't... Uh, Edward Scissorhands. Uh, nope. Fucking... Uh, Vincent Price. Vince, yes, Vincent Price Like did a voice on the show, and they fought real ghosts on that show. Okay, I've never she, seen that, but that sounds amazing. That's perfect. Whoever decided also, to pit Vincent Price alongside Scooby-Doo is a genius. And then there was, like, uh, Scooby-Doo and the Reluctant Werewolf, where Shaggy becomes a werewolf. I have brief memories of that one. And the actually good one, Scooby-Doo and the Ghoul School. <laughs> I missed that one. Where they, uh, Scooby and Shaggy and Scrappy, uh, they get a job working at what they think is like a girl's school. Um, but then it turns out uh, it's a ghoul school, <laughs> and all the ghouls there are the daughters of famous monsters. Oh. So it's like Dracula's daughter, Frankenstein's daughter, the Wolfman's daughter, <laughs> uh, a random ghost's daughter, <laughs> and I think a mummy. I think that's what it is. Wow. Um, and it's great. And they get in a volleyball match with like the uh, military school next door. Also, no one seems to be able, except for Shaggy and Scooby, no one seems to be able to put together that they're ghosts or <laughs> monsters. Oh, that's that's amazing. It's actually like really fun if you're if you like that kind of stuff. There you go. They should bring uh, back Scooby Doo. Yeah. Just gonna let that one sit. If you know, you know. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. That yeah, was. Like, yeah. I, I didn't want to get into it, but uh, it was your history just, with that motion picture. Was, oh my God. I'd rather stare into like a mass grave of children <laughs> than watch that again. <laughs> Whoa! I'm just being honest. That was one of the most hateful movies I've ever seen in my entire life. It, I, whoa! <laughs> that, it, that might be a bit much. I'd, I'd watch like just uncut you, footage. You could have just said like a, of, a wall of heads, like of in this like film. atrocities, <laughs> just like the word, like the stuff that like you watch and you go like, "There's really no hope for humanity." <laughs> I'd rather watch that shit than Scoob ever again. Okay, so so like, Scoob is your Mortal Kombat 2021. I guess. Yeah. There's no way Mortal Kombat's that bad. It's. I'm sure it's bad. Fucking. <laughs> Let me ask you this: Does Tracy Morgan show up as Captain Caveman? No, but there's no. literally no Mortal Kombat in the movie called Mortal Kombat. Uh, yeah, but look, there, there's also no mystery solving in the Scoob movie. <laughs> okay, so it sounds like they're both equally a plague. No, because Tracy Morgan shows up <laughs> as Captain Caveman. And fucking, fucking, oh god. I, I'm cool with Tracy Morgan. I'm cool with Tracy Morgan too, but it's fucking, he's Captain Caveman. Ugh. 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 I wanted to just die. Like, that was really like a, like, oh, there's no hope <laughs> moment. Like, I was truly, like, it was a fucking grim movie. Everyone had that moment with the fucking uh, Space Jam, A New Legacy. Like, they have no fucking idea. Really? Like, I Because yeah. I'm not watching that. <laughs> it's it's so much worse. No, you know how I know that new one's so fucking bad, the, the new Space Jam? 
I mm. I was uh, at a at a barbecue with some some older friends. We don't see each other that often, but when we do, when we get together, it's great. We always catch up very well, and um, everyone knows I I love movies, and so. One of the one of my pals came up to me and he's like, "I don't know about the new Space Jam." <laughs> like, and, and it was pretty unanimous that no one enjoyed it. That's how bad it was. the The human public was like rejecting that movie after they saw it. Yeah, because it's terrible. Yeah. Sorry, I mean, LeBron. That's a movie though where like I started enjoying how lazy it was. Okay, well we're moving it, it, on because it Sleepy like... Hollow is not lazy. It looked like one of those like epic movies. That's pretty. Bu- it's the director yeah. of the. I think isn't it? Really? Let me see. Malcolm D. Lee. I don't think so. Oh, he did Scary Movie Five. There you go. He did yeah. Girl Strip though, which I really liked. He did Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins. I haven't seen that, but Girl Strip I think is like a genuinely really funny movie. You know, I've never seen it. Yeah, it, it's uh, solid. It's not like a, a stone cold classic, but mm-hmm. I was really surprised by that movie. He did Undercover Brother. Oh, okay, so never mind. Yeah. He's basically Stanley Kubrick. And Roll Bounce. I missed out on Roll Bounce. I, I, I saw it once. I remember liking it, but that was a long time ago. Yeah. I, I mean, hey, Scary Wheels. Movie 5, though. Oh, yeah. That was the movie where it, like, totally showed, like, you got to release those scary movies, like, immediately, because it sat on a shelf for, like, a year. Oh, no. And, like, all the references were dated by the time it came out. Like, they were, like, referencing, like, Black Swan and, like, shit. Like, it was just, like, way too late. <laughs> like, mm. Yeah, you got to shoot those in a weekend. And you know what? That's probably why YouTube got really popular, too. Yeah. they were doing, like, that cheap, like, riff humor immediately. You didn't have to mm. spend millions of dollars on those. Well, that's why that genre just died. Like, yeah. It's... Like, TikTok and YouTube. Or, I guess, yeah, Vine exactly. at the time. R.I.P. Mm. Vine. And the sad thing is, like... It's the one instance where YouTube, TikTok, and Vine were, like, monstrously better. Like, Yeah. It's just, ugh. Although I did see a pretty funny Michael Myers TikTok. Yeah, I saw that, too. Yeah. Good stuff. And it's funny, and it's, like, 30 seconds. Yeah. Keep it up, Internet. More of that. That's all you need to do sometimes. Michael Myers Um, should fight the Headless Horseman. Hell yeah. Like, I mean, not for this trilogy of Halloween movies, obviously, because that's not what they're going for. Uh (laughs) But, like, you know, the next one, just get really schlocky and stupid. With Jordan Peele being, like, the horror guy he is now, I think there's you could totally talk him into doing a Key and Peele reunion where they meet the classic monsters. Oh, God, that would be awesome. (laughs) Yes! And do, like, an Evan Costello-type film. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it should be. I wish Keanu was a bigger hit. I know, yeah. Because that's that probably... could totally, like, pivot them into that direction, too. Mm-hmm. And obviously Jordan Peele's, like, like what a fucking filmmaker. Yeah. But I would love to see that when you just pissed. Mm, I would, too. <laughs> oh, my God. That's great. Um, all right. Back to Sleepy Hollow. I guess we can wrap things up pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, because uh, we get, there's, like, I love, I do love the scene at the church. Uh, which might ra- you said it raised a lot of questions for you. Yes. Um, where after Notary Rydenbrook has uh has Hardenbrook has committed suicide, <laughs> um, and uh, the magistrate got his head cut off. Like people are slowly getting picked off. Uh, there's gonna be like a rally at the church to denounce Ichabod Crane. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's when Michael Gambon realizes he's the target of the headless horseman. <laughs> yeah. And he comes running in. 
and he's just Michael Gambon at his craziest. Um, really wish he could have brought some of that energy to later Dumbledore. <laughs> yeah, he he does it in Goblet of Fire, and people are like, eh, it's not like the book. Yeah. And everyone who says that is a coward. You know what was so infuriating upon my rewatch of those movies? No, 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 that seems great. No, no, but, like, he has this great take on Dumbledore in in the third one, which is his first movie, mm-hmm. um, where he's basically Wizard Columbo. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of it that way. Like, he just, he just plays, like, he plays stupid the whole time, but he really knows what's up. Mm-hmm. And he's great, and... They never bring that that Dumbledore back. Yeah, like I like the Harry's a player never like Yeah, <laughs> but um, if they had kept that through line, then it would have been like Harry to put your name in the Goblet of Fire. No, no, I would have. Wink. I, I, you, you still know? could have done that. Him freaking out. You kind of need that moment, which is I think something that the book fans don't get because it's supposed to be like Harry doesn't really realize like the danger he's in in that mm-hmm. mo- that movie doesn't make any fucking sense though no no but you, you you're you're right on the money in agreeing with me cuz i'm correct about that yes scene. all right um what what do you think about the church scene uh <laughs> how did this happen like it's just <laughs> it's got a vibe that the rest of the movie doesn't like have i guess like cuz the movie's very like trashy and like real sleazy and, and and pretty schlocky, but this like escalates it into like like a different like category of of fantasy schlock, I think. And I don't, I don't know. know if because I mean it escalates so quickly, mm-hmm. like so so quickly. And there there's other stuff I've been watching for spook not not too much for spooky season this year, but like a lot of stuff that deals with like mass hysteria and all that. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see it how how often these things like like whether or not they build up to them properly, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, Halloween Kills is like one that I think doesn't really get it very well. And I'm not saying that to drag that movie. We we had our piece on it, and again, it's not a movie I even hate. Mm-hmm. And I I just don't think the the mob stuff in that movie is escalated very well or paid off very well. You know what? The payoff is actually pretty good in that. Yeah. Um, And here I just, I don't really buy the lead into it. That being said, I really like the actual scene where uh, uh, the Emperor Palpatine is bonked on the head to death. <laughs> yeah. um, I do like that moment where he's like, we must confess our sins. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> McDermott's so cool. Um, yeah, and he's like, your friends played you for fool, and then he gets hit in the head with a cross. Jeffrey Jones bonk, bonks him on the head and kills him, <laughs> and, and then Gambon shoots Jeffrey Jones. Yeah, and that rocked. I um, do like the, the little note, though, that's, like, pretty funny, is that because back then, like, it took fucking a minute to load a gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he shoots Jeffrey Jones, and then he realized once he's done, the mob's closing in on so Gambon just grabs a gun from another guy yeah because <laughs> <laughs> he no longer has a loaded weapon uh, I also really like because when I read it because remember I read the book first the book adaptation of this before oh, okay. I saw the movie there I remember the description of the bullets tearing into the horseman being like really like visceral mm-hmm. and like I hadn't seen a lot of R-rated stuff at that time so I was like whoa you know and then when I saw it in the movie, I thought, like, the impact, and I, I don't know, I just really liked the violence in that scene. Yeah. Like, I again, I don't buy the, the lead into it, but I really like it when it's going down. Mm-hmm. And I feel like 
Like it, it's it's almost kind of like the height of the film, but then it just kind of keeps like spiraling in different directions. Now hold on, what is the death toll by the time we get to the church? It's not that high. I mean, it's yes, not it small. is. It's it's there's there's the five before we even get there. Yeah. <laughs> there's uh, the magistrate. There's mm-hmm. uh, that one guy who was watching the town. Um, ne- uh, old Nazmuth, because uh, then his son, young Nazmuth, uh, becomes a key part of the story. There's the family, so that's ten right there. And then Brom Van Brunt. Yeah, that's eleven. Um, that's eleven. Uh, and then off screen, we think Miranda Richardson gets it, yeah. and Notary Rydenbook kills himself. Yeah. Okay. So that's so... thirteen dead in this small town. Okay. You know what? I retract my complaint. Yeah, that's that seems accurate then. And they're they're specifically having the church meeting for this purpose, mm-hmm. you know. And then the horseman fucking shows up. I think that would be enough to make me a little panicked. Yeah, yeah. You know what? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I do like when he throws the axe and it disintegrates on uh, the church land. Uh huh. Yeah, that was great. Mm-hmm. And it's like he, like I don't know all the stuff. Like I, I wish this movie did kind of take its time a little bit more. But, that, again, that's a personal thing because every, like, action and reaction feels, like, really authentic. You know, mm-hmm. like that. Like, the, the testing the church ground with the axe. Like, it's, I don't know, it's just really solid writing. I yeah. Um, and then <laughs> Michael Gambon is uh, speared at the top of the church <laughs> from, like, half a mile away and torn out the window. <laughs> that was fucking fantastic. It's amazing yeah. to see Gambon go through that. Yeah, this was a, a well-received box office smash hit in 1999. Hell yeah. And it deserved every penny. <laughs> Absolutely, for that scene alone. Yeah, that was like, amazing. That was That's probably my favorite, like, kill of the movie. Yeah. And it's, like, my favorite stunt, for sure. Um, I just like the, the cleverness of it, where it's like you establish, all right, the, the horseman can't, get into the church and so the horseman improvises this <laughs> like he's really unstoppable that's what's fun about him it's just like he'll, he's gonna fuck you can't get away from this fucker yeah like you know it's not a very scary movie but you totally believe that like no that's like the terminator coming at you yeah like you're not stopping that shit which is a good vibe to give the headless horseman mm-hmm. um, cause even though they do do the uh, covered bridge thing from the story and he just easily crosses it like mm-hmm. <laughs> goes on the roof I believe um, I don't know why they. Uh, I don't know what the covered bridge significance is in the story. I don't know if there's if that's a thing, where it's like ghosts can't travel over water or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then uh, and, and at that point, Ichabod Crane was pretty sure Gambon was uh responsible for all the murders because he's putting together all the different everyone that's been killed is connected. They're all the inheritance of this great fortune or they witnessed uh either the birth or the will being changed that could uh determine where all this money's going correct yes and also in the church scene the revelation that christina ricci's character katrina van tassel is a witch <laughs> yeah she's but she's she's there's been hints of that throughout she's in the woods in that one scene and we find the weird stuff under ichabod's bed um yeah but then we see that she's the one doing it so Suspicion could fall on her, but I don't. I don't think it ever really does. No, um, no, no, no. Yeah, but um, it's just like a 
an odd revelation. It's like, okay, I guess we're doing that here too. And I guess here's the one thing that like kind of hits a little wrong for me is that when Miranda Richardson comes back and then she just goes on like a 10 minute monologue where she explains everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that might be the clunkiest part of the film. Yeah, um, I it, it, it's I didn't know why she was telling her that. There's an argument to be made that the reason she's doing it is because she knows young Masbeth is there and she's trying to like lure him out a little bit. Like that kid thinks he has the jump on her, but she actually knows he's there. Mm-hmm. She stops telling it like the moment he gets him. Um, she gets him, I mean. Um, but I don't know if that still makes sense. Yeah, um, I, I'm willing to go along with that. I still don't think it's very, like, strong. Or she's trying to make him wait for the horseman to get there, I guess is the other argument. Um, also, showdown in a in a windmill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is the a windmill classic, which explodes. Yeah, a classic universal monster thing. That's straight out of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Um, and the 2003 Van Helsing film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they used to have those uh vampire women um over like one of the streets on at universal studios at like the horror makeup show (laughs) wow i i think we missed out on that at at, uh universal hollywood yeah i saw that show um they basically go like people do makeup in movies or at least they used to (laughs) oh (laughs) isn't hollywood grand um, yeah oh, the, she, the she killed her sister happens. she killed her sister off screen and then there's like a stagecoach fight <laughs> yeah and this was really fun because it's like yeah it, it's not an action movie but it has like action movie type beats there where it's like oh it's it's ichabod now on top of the the horseman's horse you know and it's like these fun reversals yeah. like that and it's like why like what I got to give Tim Burton more credit because tonally that should be like, this is too fucking much. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is ridiculous. And it is, but it doesn't feel out of step with the movie. Yeah. It, it's, it's super fucking fun to watch. I will, I'll defend like Tim Burton's first decade, you know, mm-hmm. like he was solid for a while and then it just totally goes off a cliff. Yeah. Like and... maybe it's like something that changed in Hollywood too, that doesn't let him, work to the best of his abilities. That's not me, like, making excuses for him. I'm just thinking, like... Because some people just just lose it as they get older. Like, Tarantino has somewhat of a point with that statement. Mm-hmm. Um, but also what? just, like, the way movies are made and how, like, the, like, the processes they have to go through for green lights and yeah. even, like, having to start films. Like, it, it gets very frustrating and maybe the, the procedure changes, like, just make it harder for people to like put their movies together. Well, I think for to Tarantino's point, I think there is something to directors just getting beaten down by the system. Mm-hmm. And then even those of them that like get good swings, there is a point where it's like, you probably sh- like, I imagine like directors, certain ones show up to Hollywood with like three to five, like ideas they really want to do, you know? And at a certain point you do all of them. And then you're like, well, what do I do now? You know, mm-hmm. and then if you develop a brand, kind of like Tim Burton did, then you're only offered things where it would be like, well, this is this feels like a Tim Burton film, mm-hmm. and it's less Tim Burton kind of developing projects he wants to do, 
or gra- like uh, you know like he had to develop Mars attacks and he had to develop Ed Wood and he had like he was brought to Batman but that ended up becoming his vision you know yeah yeah and whereas you, you have someone point there too where it's like um once you have like uh a genre that you work yeah. in like people just want to give you that like John Carpenter said that like after Halloween he just got the horror stuff and he's like I want to make a western mm-hmm. um. Kirsty Wilson Cairns, who co wrote 1917 and just co wrote Last Night in Soho. Uh, very fun listen on the Team Deacons podcast. Mm. But uh, she, she mentions how, like, she did this screenplay that, for a film that's coming out next year, I believe. It's called The Good Nurse. And it's about one of the most prolific serial killers in American history who maneuvered through the American healthcare system. And so it's like a story about how the healthcare system literally, like, puts people in harm's way here uh-huh. and she was like okay that's like I, i'm not really interested in serial killer stuff but you know i was interested in that story so i did that and then it sold and then other studios were like we have this serial killer idea we have this serial." and she's like i don't whoa whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I, I, i'm not interested in that and then um like i think she she was getting offered like a spy kids type thing and she was like i i don't i put waterboarding in it i don't want to do that <laughs> it's really really fun listen so go go check it out there's more um, hey, it, she will be co-writing uh, the Taika Waititi Star Wars film. We'll see if that happens. I'm, yeah, I'm we'll starting see. to think all these announced things are not going to happen. Yeah, well, yeah, everything's up in the air right now. Yeah. Tim that Burton's could, Star Wars would have sounded really cool 25 years ago. I don't know. I don't even know if I would have been into that. No, no, just let him do uh-huh. one, you know, like like a middle of a trilogy type thing. Mm-hmm. Why, like, you know, has anyone watched Star Wars Visions out there? Uh, some people have, and everyone that has said, yeah, this is awesome, more of this. Yeah. And then everyone else who is, like, 90% of the planet is like, what Star Wars Visions? Which isn't great. You know? Yeah, not not great. But, like, that to me is what I want more out of Star Wars, where you just do, like, anthology series. Yeah, you like, know? like, some people don't want trilogies at all anymore, and I'm like, no, 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 do them, but don't worry about <laughs> connecting them to anything. Yeah. <laughs> like... Just say it takes place a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. That's literally mm-hmm. all you need. It's not real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Don't re- I, I gotta really stop myself from le- relitigating Star Wars on here every episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Star Wars is fucking cool. That's why. Yeah. It's just we want say, it to keep just, being, like, interesting. It's just so sad that, like, I, I really feel like Last Jedi really, like, kicked the doors open for, like, you could do anything now. In, like, a really cool way. And then Rise of Skywalker did, like, everything it could to shove it back in a box. Yeah. And that's a shame. Um, but, hey. Uh, yeah, we get a great chase. Uh, Walken eventually gets his head back. Oh, I a fun... fucking love that visual. Yeah. It, like, it looks just cheap enough without looking tacky to be, like, really gross and, like, mm-hmm. nasty. And the tendons wrapping around the skull again. And the, It's the... the... Oh, the way great. CGI used to be kind of fun mm-hmm. <laughs> before it just became everything. Yeah, and I uh, think, like, the look of the film, because, you know, it's got, like, that hammer horror look to it and, like, this very atmospheric mood, but it's also very, like, playful. There's, like, a buoyancy yes. with the camera, which Lubezki's, like, not really known for. He's known a lot for more for his, like, dramatic work, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But I think that makes that image look even better. Because it doesn't feel like an alien presence in the film, you know? Even though yes. it's CG, and there's not a lot of CG in the lead-up to that one moment. There's a really good CG moment that I like where the uh, the fog literally, like, comes out from the woods and, like, extinguishes all the candles that are around the border of the town. 
Mm-hmm. Like they get like little hands and like just literally like squeeze them out. I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, and it's it's so weird. It's so weird to see just Burton with such a really good grasp of those type of visuals here, and then like fucking just cut the house in Wonderland, and it's like holy shit, dude! Like what the fuck? Yeah, you know I like to cut to scenes from other movies for a laugh. Sometimes I'm not even gonna do it with that one. It's not yeah. worth it. It's not. <laughs> just futter whacking, you know? And then, unfortunately, that goes on to be, like, his highest grossing film ever. You know? Yeah. Like, and that's, I think, another thing with Burton is that he started getting rewarded for, like, his worst movies. Like, I mean, he stuff... never got rewarded for Planet of the Apes, though, which is nice. No, but that's a, that's the one I just, that's still, <laughs> even now it's an anomaly, you know? Like, it doesn't even fit into, like... What came to be known? Actually, you know what that movie cost a hundred million? It made three hundred and sixty million. Oh fuck! <laughs> so, Jesus. I think that was one though where it was like one of the few times Hollywood was like, "Yeah, that movie made money, but we're it, we're not doing a sequel." Like, <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> Which is like one of like maybe five times Hollywood has ever done that. I mean, like, the closest they got to that was, like, post-Spectre for Bond. Oh, when yeah, that came Everyone had really such close. a miserable experience in that movie from top what to bottom. What went wrong on that movie? I've never really looked into it. Um, rewrites, rewrites, rewrites. No mm. one knew what the movie was. Like, it was one of those ones that they greenlit before they had a finished script. Okay, yeah. seems to be happening to every blockbuster in Hollywood now. But, like, that one specifically was the first time, like, the Bond people went into that. Like, Quantum of Solace had problems, but no one, like, had a miserable time making it. Like, they yeah. were also, like, riding the high of the Casino Royale. Whereas Spectre mm-hmm. was, like, like, fucking daily, like, leaks online. Like, the call list leaked online for that movie. That's mm. fucking crazy. Yeah. How did that happen? <laughs> you know? And so, just, no one, I mean, Craig, what did he say? Like, I'd rather slit my wrists than do another one. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, dude. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was. I I understand like everyone had a terrible time. You know, it was weird. Do you remember this about that movie? They did like a cast announcement for that movie, like kind of like it was like a Comic Con panel, but they did it in England to like the British press. Yeah, I do and, remember that. That's, and wow, I that's think crazy. I, I think they thought they were gonna get like a comic-con style reaction but it's the british press Mm -hmm. and it was just like very muted and awkward and it was like it's like oh here's dave batista he'll be playing a guy named mr hinks or something yeah and everyone's like all right like i remember that being like really weird well the british don't have fun that's their whole thing well yeah because it's a fucking miserable country (laughs) The fucking just miserable, miserable country, yeah. and they just and their just sole goal on earth is to make everyone as miserable as they are. That's the only goal of the British Empire, and they've they've so far they've it's worked. <laughs> and, and you know what? In that sense, Spectre was a, uh, a huge success. Yeah, and that yes, in that regard, <laughs> Spectre is the best Bond film ever made. Uh, <laughs> Do you remember how they were, like, trying to make it seem like uh, Christoph Waltz wasn't playing Blofeld in that? Yeah, and I think like, stuff like that is a huge part of the problem, where it's like... Yeah. Like, dude, just come out and, like, then play with the new dynamic. Craig hasn't yeah. had, like, a, a crazy, scheming 
global mm-hmm. villain. Like, Silva's the closest you get, and that's a very yeah. personal villain, which is why that character works, I think. But, like, you know, go go fucking all out. I will and say, like, I've been a... used def- to with that character. I've been a defender of Spectre, and I think I would still defend it, but I think now when I look back, it's like, now No Time to Die has kind of perfected everything Spectre was trying to do. Yeah, yeah. Like... Um, because that was like the shift where it was, it felt like Spectre was really a, an attempt to go back to classic Bond, but like with the new style, with like weird, like torture devices mm-hmm. and like world destroying plots and something, stuff like that. And then it just, it didn't totally work, yeah, but I respected yeah. the try and then I, no time to die comes out and it's like, Oh, that's a better version. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I can so. live with Spectre. I, I've, I've been too harsh on Spectre, but mm-hmm. it is, it is kind of fun to drag a little bit as i can ultimately live with quantum of solace which i know a lot of people defend that one yeah because i'm not a giant i'm not a giant fan of it Mm. but i don't think the action is that great like i just get bored whenever an action scene starts in that one Mm. um but it was trying quantum of solace was trying some stuff you can feel it like kind of it has the high of casino royale Mm -hmm. it's trying to like let's kick this up to a next level and then like people are like no (laughs) (laughs) It's like, that's not why we like Casino Royale. Yeah. <laughs> like, you could totally feel that on that movie. And it does kind of work if you watch them back to back. But yeah, like, honestly, never... that's how I've watched them the most. Yeah. I always do a double feature when I get the chance. Which I I hear that from people, like, when they defend them, they're always like, watch them back to back. And I think that's true. Um, and Skyfall's like an anomaly. <laughs> yeah, Sky- it's weird that that's the third film, but mm-hmm. it's also fucking fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, this is not the Bond podcast. I don't no, know not. if we'll ever get around to that, quite frankly. Cause that's How many a Bond films are there at this point? 25 now. All right, let's do like a 25-hour marathon. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just streaming on Twitch for 25 hours. Yes, and we can only talk about each movie for an hour. That If we could do like a fundraiser or something. That could yeah, be you know, all, all the people that listen to this. Yeah, yeah. You know, the huge, huge... Groups of people, but then we'll be also work in uh, the 1967 parody version of Casino Royale. No, where Orson Welles played the villain. Uh, Maybe then, <laughs> and it has like five people named James Bond in it. Like that's the joke. Like uh, it's like David Divins, James Bond, and then Peter Sellers is James Bond. Well, you know what? You... If I could get all the Dublin listeners from the SoundCloud to check out that idea. Hold on, you forgot. I was about to announce one more James Bond. Um, Woody Allen is James Bond. <laughs> We're definitely skipping that one. <laughs> and then what about uh, Never Say Never Again? No. The uh, the return of Sean Connery in 83. <laughs> Everyone's Directed favorite. F- fucking Irvin Kirshner. Oh. you see like you're like no we're not doing that but then you're like eh. no I'm still saying no <laughs> no Irvin Kirshner man that director of Robocop 2 yeah and the eyes of Laura Mars written by John Carpenter yeah and the return of a man called Horace Anyway, Sleepy Hollow is really good. It <laughs> ends Hollow's with great. the horsemen and biting off the, riding, the stepmother's yeah, they, lips. And then they ride into a portal, a tree portal to hell. <laughs> yeah. 
Although I guess <laughs> it just takes her to her death, right? Because you got her hand sticking out of the roots. I, I have no fucking yeah, idea. <laughs> I, like, is it taking her soul to hell? Sure. Yeah, like I don't, I don't fully understand that, but it looks awesome. So whatever. <laughs> yeah, and then the, then the solution everyone has to having witnessed this is just to move to New York City. Yeah, because New York has no problems like this. <laughs> yeah, never. Although I believe happens. the show Sleepy Hollow that aired on Fox a couple years back, mm-hmm. uh, I believe it took place in New York. I'm not a hundred percent. Wait, sure. well, Sleepy Hollow is in New York. No, I mean like the city of New York. Oh, all right. I could be totally fucking wrong, and people are like, "Diego, what the fuck are you talking about?" But that's that's to my recollection from the advertisements. That's the case. Uh, it also <laughs> it says here. It says here. Uh, first of all, they basically combined two Washington Irving stories, Legend of Sleepy Hollow and Rip Van Winkle. Mm. Um, but uh, also, it says the first three seasons are set in a fictionalized version of Sleepy Hollow, New York. And then uh, the fourth and final season were set in Washington, D.C. Do you know why that is? Does he run for president? No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you have to stop the headless horseman from running for president. I mean, it could totally happen. <laughs> um, well, they had Anything a crossover is... with Bones, which is, like, insane. Remember how long Bones lasted? <laughs> Wait. The headless horseman exists in the Bones universe? I guess so, yeah. The fuck? What the fuck are we doing? <laughs> I don't know. But Nicole Barry... Barry? Barry... Excuse me. Nicole mm-hmm. Barry um, co-starred in the first three seasons of Sleepy Hollow. She was the reason a lot of people watched. She's a great actress. One of the ones that never really got her due so far. I hope she gets it soon because she's really good. And like, Check out Miss Juneteenth for anyone mm-hmm. who's curious. Um, and then she got written off the show because she was sick and couldn't make schedules. And she wasn't allowed time off to recuperate properly. Mm. And so they wrote her out of the show and they killed her off. And then... That's why it got canceled, because those last people watching after the the first good season, apparently, left after they killed her off, because they were like, what the fuck is that? And so, the show got canceled, because everyone was upset at a horrible decision that literally crippled an actress. She has an autoimmune disease, um, which is something I have, so uh, fuck those people. Yeah. Um, Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, and fuck she, that show. I'm not watching that shit. Yeah, fuck that. Um, but she's really talented, and uh, I, I hope she continues getting more interesting opportunities than that fucking bullshit. Who Anyways, the, the Tim Burton Sleepy Hollow is really good. <laughs> it says Pandora showed up on the show. Yeah, I guess they fought and, like and Betsy on Ross. That show regularly. Betsy Ross shows up. What? What the fuck is this show? Is this is the Headless Horseman not the main villain? I thought it was, but again, I, I only know it from advertisements and the news fallout from mm-hmm. that unfortunate decision making. Well. People are fucking morons. Yeah. Anyways, mm-hmm. Matt, what would would you what else do you think about Sleepy Hollow, the the movie? S- Sleepy fucking hollow. Uh, go watch it, you fucking losers. Yeah, it's great. Do we want to say <laughs> what we're doing next? Because I think it's really fun. Yeah, we should. Go ahead, you. Okay, well, there's two coming up. We got 
the Dune films. Because might, those are, I'm assuming the Dune one will come out before this. Um, you know well. what? Yeah. Okay, so then I'll just say the next one, what we're doing for, fuck, like, Halloween, basically, now. Mm-hmm. Um, Bram Stoker's Dracula. I think hey. we're gonna ha- I think we're going to miss the John Carpenter one this year, but... We did Big Trouble in Little China over the summer, so I'm just gonna say Halloween Kills was our like Carpenter thing. Okay. Like, yeah, oh, we just, barely talking just... about the music in that, but the music in that is pretty good. Yeah, well, because it's John Carpenter. Yeah, know? he doesn't fuck right. around. Um, yeah, Bram Stoker's killer. Dracula, Halloween. Yeah, probably about... before Halloween. I got I, yeah, just uh... yeah. So you should watch that movie if you haven't seen it. If you're, yeah, like, some of the five. That was a... what is determining people like suddenly going like, let's watch that movie. <laughs> I think people just want, like, cinema that feels alive, and that movie feels like the most movie ever. Not to be, like, uh, a real fucking cool guy, <laughs> but um, I, I... When did you see Bram Stoker's Dracula? Like, it's always kind of existed in my mind. This isn't the Bram okay. Stoker Dracula episode, but, like, it's always kind of, like, been there for me. I definitely caught some showings on HBO... I think the first full time I sat down to watch it was like probably college, mm-hmm. late high school. So I like saw that early movie. 20s, late teens. I think I saw that movie before all you fuckers out there. Yeah, probably. All you fucking schmoes. <laughs> I, I know uh, some older relatives had a movie night at some point and I caught like glimpses of it and they're like, you can't watch this. <laughs> That's one of those weird ones where my dad's like, you don't move the fucking rules, Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> and I'm like, really? You like that? He has, he has weird ones like that. <laughs> He's like, you don't move fucking rules, Dune. <laughs> and I'm like, really? So yeah, go go check out the Dune episode that is, yeah, coming out before oh, this, I guess. I, I didn't even wait, I have no idea. I was, just, I was just guessing. No, 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 because uh, Dune, we got, we got to have that out for the... For all those Dune heads. release. All the Dune heads are demanding it. Yeah, and apparently there's a lot of you, so... <laughs> yeah. Apparently uh, there might be enough to get this movie to make fucking money. Let's fucking do it. But until yeah. then, Matt, where let's, can the people find you? Let's Dune it. No. <laughs> For more great content like that, <laughs> um, follow me at EmperorOTN1 at Twitter.com. Not Twitch yet? Um, no, I, I fucking can't get that shit to work. Okay. Um, just, I, my internet is terrible. Okay, so, okay. Uh, one of these days. One of these I'll days, Alice. I'll have to Alice. go back to Twitch. Yeah, we gotta do John Carpenter. Invite me on, I'll just, I'll just yell while you're playing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, oh yeah, I, I could download the thing on my PC and I'll play it like that. Yeah. Yeah, speedrun? John Carpenter's <laughs> The Thing video game sequel? You know what, let's look up on speedrun.com. Uh, <laughs> John Carpenter's the thing. Okay, uh, but until then, you could also find me. Take at a guess. The Diego Crespo. Check out the Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon. And my guess is four hours. No, not even close. Two hours. Nope. One hour. Thirty-nine minutes and twenty-one seconds. That's how. I don't know. Well, you know what? That's not a very dense game. It's just confusing, design-wise. It's also it says here any percent, so like I don't know what the rules are. Okay. For uh, most people, I don't know if there's a stricter version. And also, it seems like only five people have ever done it. Hmm. So it wasn't a very popular game. 
really? <laughs> I find that hard to believe. Although they should remake it. That's one that deserves to be remade, because you can make it good now. Yeah, and by remade, I mean start from the ground up and make a completely different game. Yeah, go back and look at the cool concept art that the artist did for the game pitch. It's very cool. Um, yes. But yeah, until then, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We have been Professionally Unprofessional. Perhaps there's a bit of a witch in you, Katrina. Why do you say that? Because you